Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from AS21 Publishing, exploring the publishing process of the fantasy novel The Will of the Magi by author Paul Dickinson Russell. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing, and with me as always is... Hey everyone, it is Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. Glad to be back with everyone, I hope everyone's been having fun listening in. Now, this is the September 2015 edition of the podcast. Remember, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at Publish Podcast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Publish Podcast. We also have our own Pinterest board, but you can't really contact us with it there. But, you know, you can see what we share, which is basically just episodes of this podcast. <laughs> Now, this is Chapter 6. Tonight, we'll be talking about story management, and joining us uh, will be AS1 creative novelist Ian Roberts. But first, let's check in with Paul on the writing process and what he's been up to during the month of August. So, Paul, what's going on? With the month of August, as I told everyone last month, I was reworking the magic system of my world, and I went into a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. This past month, I've been... Very, very poorly working on map designs and map conceptions for my story so that I can have a very good idea about what I'm, what I'm actually writing here. I recently read a story where there was some traveling involved with the characters, and about a couple of chapters later, they were traveling back, and all of a sudden it took them three times as long, even though they actually, the first trip they were walking, the trip back, they were using horses, and it took them longer, and they followed the same route. So I got really concerned about that. Those are some bad horses. Some either really bad horses, or they just took a lot of breaks to study the scenery. I don't know. It wasn't really gone over in the story. <laughs> but it kind of irked me to the point where I wanted to make sure that all the traveling that takes place in my world actually makes sense. <laughs> So I've been working on drawing maps and getting the distances down, measuring things out in my own head, which anyone who knows me knows that small children in kindergarten can draw better than I do. (laughs) See, that's why you'll be working with an illustrator on cover design. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I'm working with the professionals, because they can do these things. I I can write about how to draw a wonderful painting or all those things. I can't do it myself. I have very few skill sets, but I know them. I have them exceptionally. So I've been working on drawing my poor maps and getting those details out straight. You know, being like, it's a seven-day travel period to here. It's a seven-day travel period to here. It takes two hours to walk here. Those kind of things. The other entertaining issue is that I need, I'm also keeping track of not just the walking and the horse travel, but I also have to keep track of magic and traveling, because at least once or twice in my story so far, my main character flies a little bit, so I need to work on that too. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking the good things about doing contemporary fiction in, uh, in the real world. It's, it, I don't need to make maps. I know where everything is. Yeah. You, and you know exactly how long it takes to get there because yes. you can Google it. Yes, and I actually know my geography, unlike writers like Aaron Sorkin. But, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, I actually know that reference. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Research, it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> so that's right. been my month. I've been 
map questing. Okay. <laughs> that, that that's a much better use of the word than the than the website and the ever used. Does, that, know, I, does I that site even jokes. still exist? Huh? Does that site even still exist? I have no idea. <laughs> MapQuest does it exist? I have no idea. Let me check on that. I know there. I used to use before Google Maps. There was it was either MapQuest or Yahoo Maps, and Yahoo Maps is gone. MapQuest apparently still exists. Wow. I doubt anybody ever uses it anymore. No, Google has pretty much taken over. <laughs> yep. Well, anyone who use, still uses MapQuest probably also uses AltaVista for their search engine. And, yeah, there is that. Shop, Netscape Navigator. Oh. <laughs> they still think Blockbuster's around. <laughs> yeah. Map, MapQuest does exist, everyone, and it doesn't look nice. Right. But there is a very important thing we must realize. Hmm. Everyone uses Google. Yes. So when Google shuts down finally, how will we Google what happened to Google? <laughs> yeah. We'll probably read about it on Twitter. Oh, God. Yeah, and everyone who is listening, yes, I did steal that from a meme. Yeah. You're welcome. By the way, speaking of Twitter, we are up to 30 followers on the Publish Me podcast Twitter feed. Woohoo! Our newest edition today, we've got uh, the Half Hour Intern podcast started following us, so that's cool. Welcome. Nice. And... On Facebook, we are up to 117 likes. So well, the numbers recently. I mean, it's we we're not growing by any huge numbers, but then of course, you know, what matters is our listenership is increasing. We, I mean, after the July edition with when we had Phil and Rebecca on talking about Magnus and the Maiden, that that episode is continuing to build up in numbers, and thankfully we've had a huge increase of numbers. The Madness in the Man episode was double our previous high, and oh. last month's episode, where it's just, of course, me and Paul again, you and me, Paul, uh, we were not as high as the previous one, but we're not as low as the previous high, so it's like a new second place. There you go. <laughs> of course, all, like... this, all this leads to the important of, hopefully, we're expecting this episode to have great numbers, and if it's not, uh, Ian, it's all your fault. <laughs> There we go. Blame the new guy. Yeah, because uh, you sound just like my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I'm gonna hope now that my parents aren't don't listen to this. But you know, I'm getting practice in. My kids are are too young for me to be that. They are right. never too young, Keith. Okay. Joining us for this month's episode, we have AS21 creative novelist Ian Roberts, author of Nos Populus, and we're going to be talking about story management. But first, we have a short, well, not a sponsor, but it was actually a podcast series that I spoke about a few months ago. I reached out to them as I've been getting caught up and listening to their back episodes and just doing a shared promotional uh, activity. We're going to share their promo and then they're going to be sharing our promo on their podcast. So we'll be right back after this short commercial break. This episode is sponsored by... The remains of the wild boar are going cold on the table and the clan are resting around the fire. The ale is flowing freely. But then... Uncle Ned calls for a tale. But where's the bard? Drunk and unconscious under the table. <laughs> That's when you need the Celtic Myth Pod Show, bringing tales and stories of the ancient Celts to your fireside. A fresh tale from the best loved legends twice a month and available from CelticMythPodShow.com. 
and the bard can hear it later. And we're back. Okay, so joining us for this month's episode, Ian Roberts is the author of the political thriller novel Nos Populus, originally released through Amazon CreateSpace in, in 2012, and then was one of our first creatives at AS21, and we were able to expand the release of Nos Populus to several additional online markets in 2014. And fact, I thank you again for that. Oh, you're welcome. And he was, in fact, our bestseller for the month of December in 2014. People, we should be getting on there and buying his book so he can be the bestseller again. Yeah. Now we're having books. Now we're having Ian on because largely not only because of his experience in writing his book, but also because it is by far the longest book in the AS21 catalog. How is that many? True? Pa- yes. How many pages is it in print? 368, I believe. Okay. From that range. Yeah, my my book, Poke Soliloquy, is only about 212. And then, of course, all the others are either small collections of poetry or Magnus and the Maiden is a novella. Escape from Destiny is a short biographical sketch, so there's nothing of near the length of Nos Populus. So, I mean, your book's long enough, it's split into two parts. That is true. You really should figure out how to do an intermission in between those two parts. Like, people open up the book and all of a sudden, you know, the dancing hot dog and treats are telling people to go out to the lobby. I wanted a musical interlude, but the technology just wasn't there. Yeah, we'll have to work on that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's enough of me talking about Ian. How about Ian talking about Ian? Wonderful idea. (laughs) My favorite person talking about my second favorite subject. (laughs) Gentlemen, thanks for having me. So, yes, I am the author of No Populist, what I describe as a political satire meets psychological thriller. Later, after I tried selling the book, I regretted not selling it as a uh, book about a social vampire raising a zombie army, which is the <laughs> way I realized would have been a much better sell. But, c'est la vie. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Keith laid out the details. It's been available for the last three and a half years now, maybe. So available at various sites, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, etc. I'm also the author of the Half Drunken Scribe blog, that's halfdrunkenscribe.blogspot.com. So when Keith told me that he wanted me to talk about story structure, I was honestly a little taken aback because, as he said, my story's a little bloated. Uh, I, you know, I, I tried it's to keep it's not bloated, it's, it's full. <laughs> Big boned? Satisfied. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I recognize it's a big story, and I think that was part of the reason I had some trouble getting sold to a literary agent, but, you know, that was the story that I found. I, I don't know how you want to go about this discussion, Keith, but uh, I guess when I think about structure, I think about there are writers who are freewheeling, who just go with, just start going, and those who have to plan out, and I'm, I'm the latter type. Right. Uh, I think about, uh, her George R. R. Martin referred to, there are two different kinds of writers with stories. There are gardeners and architects. He identifies as a gardener. He just, you know, plant a seed. He, doesn't, he knows what kind of seed that is, but he doesn't necessarily know how many branches are going to come off of that thing. He doesn't know how it's going to grow. So he just wait, wait and see. And then he says they're architects. Architects construct every room in advance. They know where everything's going to go. They know how the plumbing is going to work. Everything before they actually get started. And I identify with that. Before That's me writing, as well. I'm an architect as well. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I'm crazy power. I'm anal retentive. That's why I'm a librarian. <laughs> And I'm a librarian, too, full-time, so we're more alike than you See, there, there's a connection. <laughs> so, and we're both rocking beards right now, so... That, indeed. Oh, okay, <laughs> this is getting... Well, Paul's got a beard as well, so we're, we're, we're just three bearded men talking on the phone right now. So. Paul, you're an architect or a gardener? 
I I'm the kind of guy who builds a house with a little hole in the center of it, and in that hole I'll drop an acorn from an oak tree and let the tree grow through the house. You're ruining the pattern, Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's what I do. I ruin everything I touch. Hopefully not your book. Jeez. <laughs> well, well, that'll well, be well, just... That's, that's what we have editors for. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we have editors. I feel sorry for them already. Yep. Um. So, back to architecture. I, before I really began those topics, I had something like, it must have been a 50-page Word document that was just an outline mm-hmm. of just a story. I mean, there were bits of bits of prose in there, bits of dialogue I wanted to use, but mostly this was just the story laid out. And then from there, I went out writing, okay, now I can tackle this chapter or this chapter. It, it let me put off chapters I wasn't too keen on writing just yet. Maybe they were description-heavy or they were going to be, re- you know, I, I prefer writing dialogue. Description gets a little... Sense for me, so it allowed me to just jump around and write as I wanted because I knew when things were going to happen, when they needed to happen. So when it comes to structure, my preference is to be very much in control of what I'm doing. Uh, I like to know what's going to happen. I don't like surprises, and I like to be in control. Yeah, I have to say, I'm much the same way. I mean, when I wrote Polk's Soliloquy, I started with an outline. That in, now, there there were passages in the outline where like, I had conversations that I wrote from the beginning that I knew I wanted in the book. And I actually wrote the ending about six months into the writing process, and it took me five years to write that book. (laughs) So I wrote the ending, saved it in a note on my Yahoo mail, and then went back four years later and pulled it out when I was ready to actually inserted in the book and thankfully there were i only had to make minor changes for things that had changed during when i was crafting the story so so paul uh do you have any questions you wanted to ask of ian yeah i got a couple questions so ian yeah you say that when you were writing the story you put together everything and you had your story planned out pretty much to the t and you just developed it from there did you have any surprises that came up in the story? And if so, what did you do with them? Well, you know, I was planning the outline. I think I was, the book in the total, I think I spent seven years on. And I think the outline process was maybe four of those years. So by the end, I was really, I really knew what the story was. So I didn't have too many surprises. I think at the end, I realized there were a couple of superfluous characters I could just excise. Mm. But for the most part, you know, I, I was pretty happy with where I was. Now, it made that harder when I got to the editing process and I had, you know, I had a couple of very good friends acting as um, editors, including my then fiancé, now wife. And I don't really recommend having those close relations to your editing because it causes some friction when they don't get back to you the way you would want. <laughs> I can imagine. Keith may, Keith may or may not know what I'm talking about. Yep. No, no. <laughs> so, you know, they would throw things at me and... I could get a little thrown about, oh, this isn't working because of that, or there's these chapters that I planned so meticulously, well, these need to be spread out better because this is a lot of exposition in one thing. So I wouldn't say there were surprises, but there were, I guess, sort of unfortunate notes that I ran across because I was planning so extensively. And in writing in the future, I'm trying not to be quite as, I'm going to go with the phrase, anal retentive, because I think there is some virtue to being a little more spontaneous like the gardener. I think... I would like to, you know, future books, I would like to strike more of a balance between the two. Okay. I understand both mentalities. Well, you, you, so you said you do both. Yeah, I do, I do do both. I tend to get stuck more with the gardener than the architect, purely because mm-hmm. whenever I try and be an architect, my buildings fall down. 
is one of the reasons I never went to be an engineering student. If you were to use a bridge that I built, people would probably die, which happens a lot in my stories anyway, but that's fun. I plan on that. Paul, you're giving me so much. I mean, I... <laughs> so my, my trust in you is just, you know... Uh... It's it's way. I'm writing epic fantasy. People are supposed to die in those. Well, I I understand people are supposed to die. I'm just I'm just hoping that you know nobody on my staff dies while trying to read your book. I have no. yet to kill an actual living person. Yet you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> if people die reading my story, then it was an epic story. Yes. King of Egg Round post status. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there are horror stories written about books killing people. Oh, yeah. I'm sure someone has died reading War and Peace. Oh, yeah. So that well, would put the, you in decent company. Well, that's just dying of old age, though. I'm not, I'm not being picky about how it happens. <laughs> it's still a death. It's still a death. Oh, That's man. right. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. Anyway, back to, uh, back to story management and away from potentially potential murder charges on my part. Where do you... What's your process for managing your story, Ian? Are you one of those people who you get, like, your pad of paper and you write out each scene? Or do you plan... Like, so do you plan the story out first? Or do you plan out the events in the story and let the events shape your characters? I, I plan out the events. And, and let those shape the characters. Now, every so often, I'll have sort of a an event I need to shove a character into, and I found that uh, the character doesn't want to do that. Those pesky there characters. There are. I think once they start getting developed, it's really difficult to make a character do something it doesn't want to do. Maybe slightly off topic, but toward the end of writing those topics, I had a character who he had changed so much from when I first conceptualized him and the story that I didn't like his name anymore. It didn't seem to fit. And it was the character of uh, Ozzy Vega, who I envisioned very differently. When he, and later on, he became sort of a, an American University snob, which I can say because I went there. Yeah. And I realized I didn't like the name so much anymore, so I tried to change it. You know, toward the end, and I realized he wouldn't take the name change because I had become so attached to that name. Mm. Uh, there's some things characters will not really do, but for the most part, I do like to just I have a series of events in mind, and I sort of thread the needle. I run the characters through those events. Uh, no stopping the starter because I, and I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but I, I imagine basically the final scene, the final chapter, not including the epilogue, that I don't remember where it came from, but that vision was in my head and I said, what led to that event? Who is that guy? Okay. And so I started working backward from that, I came up with a series of events, then came up with the characters that would make that story happen. Okay. Yeah, one of my favorite memes that comes up on Twitter from time to time from some of the writing Twitter feeds is, uh, I had an argument with my protagonist the other day. He died in the next chapter. I won the <laughs> argument. <laughs> but then where does the story go if the protagonist is gone? You can find a new protagonist. I mean, look at George yeah. R. R. Martin. I mean, look how many of his protagonists have died. You know, if you have multiple protagonists, you can make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Which, um, which I actually did with my second book, Life's Penance. You know. there you I, go. One of my protagonists dies in Chapter 4. Perfect. <laughs> Don't mess with God. Yes. Isn't it fun being God sometimes? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, that could get us into a whole mess. Of... <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. Oh, no, yeah. But yeah, as a writer, you are a god of that world and of that story. So, But yeah. you're, a, you're a god with limited power. I mean, I'm sure you both are in situations where a character will not 
do something. Yeah, you can make it, but it's not going to be very. It's not going to work very well, and you're not going to be happy with the result. No, absolutely. Well, yeah, it just ends up seeming like it just goes against everything you've been building. It, it, it seems forced. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I think any reader can can tell when that happens. Yeah, I have one character I was working on who I was convinced was going to be essentially a swashbuckling man, mm-hmm. and right now. She is not a man anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and she and she is not swashbuckling. She's a cold-hearted, several words I won't say in public. You know, she's yeah. just absolutely a terrible, terrible woman. Yeah, we're we're trying to keep the explicit tag off of us on iTunes, so please. Yes. We <laughs> so I, I'll try and control the language. Thanks. So that character is no longer a man purely because the character that she has now become didn't fit in the in the way that it was, the story was evolving. So I've, I've had that challenge and change, which is most amusing, because then you have to go back and change everything. Anyway. <laughs> well, Ian, do you have any words of wisdom? Well, I figure out which of my next questions I want to ask. Do you have any words of wisdom that you try to always impart to other writers as they are going through this absolutely wonderful process? Stop at three drinks. <laughs> Is that wine, beer, or hard liquor? Do what your heart tells you. I usually stick with beer or whiskey. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there are no... I, I wish I had some sort of pithy words of wisdom to do. I, I don't... A, I don't think I have the experience to really give those. And B, everyone's process is different. I mean, we talked about... There's the Gardner architect dichotomy, but we've already established that you can have a mixture of both, and maybe in some cases it's best to have a mixture of both. I think start writing what you want to write and just let that go. If you keep doing it, you'll eventually get something that might be pretty good that you can show to other people who can show you why it's not as good as you. Then, of course, it's always good if you've written a lot, but you realize it's just, you know, crap. You could toss it and try again. Yep. Yeah, and and you know what? I've had such a problem with tossing stuff that I've written, and I wish I were better about being able to kill my children. It can be very difficult. Yeah. I know when we were talking about what we were going to discuss in this month at the end of last month's podcast, I brought up the movie Wonder Boys. Ian, have you ever seen that one? Uh, Michael I have Douglas? not. Is that Michael Douglas? Yes. Okay. Oh, Paul, did you get a chance to watch that since we talked last month? I... Did I? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. See, I gave you a homework assignment and you didn't do it. It's on, I'm, it's on my list right Come now. Come on, Paul. <laughs> I, I, hey, Ian, you just moved. I've been looking for an apartment. You know how hard that is. Mine wasn't hard because I was living in the same building. <laughs> you just moved from, in the same building? Yeah. It'll get, it's, it's on the same floor. Just, or just go up and down one. <laughs> well, yeah, in the movie, forgive me, I'm repeating myself from last month. The main character is Michael Douglas. He is a a writer who wrote a great novel when he was young, and then he's kind of just been coasting on it all this time. He's now a professor at, they never say the name of the school in the movie, but it's, and I, I know it was a book first, and I really should know the book more, but the movie was filmed in Pittsburgh, so I take more pride in knowing it, knowing the movie. But he's a teacher at Carnegie Mellon University, and he basically is teaching the next generation of writers, and everyone thinks he's washed up and hasn't written anything in years, but in actuality, he's been writing this whole time the same book, and it just keeps going and going and going. 
one of his students is uh, renting out a room in his house, and she happens upon the manuscript and starts reading it. It's played by Katie Holmes. She basically just comes at you just, you have the family histories and the, the detailed things, and it's like you just keep writing to keep writing, and... And he said, yeah, I just can't seem to find the ending. So I think that's the gardener of just, he planted it and it just keeps growing. And of course, with his case, he had his literary agent played by Robert Downey Jr. coming and try, forcing him to try to get it finished. And, and Iron Man talking to the old Ant-Man, yeah. Yeah, and of course, hijinks ensue. It's, it's an excellent movie. I highly recommend it. Not just because it was partially filmed in my hometown, but you know. <laughs> That's a strong piece of incentive. Yes, absolutely. And Michael Douglas has said it's one of his favorite movies he ever made, and he's always disappointed in how it wasn't as well accepted critically and financially at the box office. But, you know, when did this come out? Late 90s? He said Katie Holmes, or it sounds like it must be recent, but... Well, no, it was still young Katie Holmes. I mean, it was Robert Downey Jr. after he cleaned up, but before Iron Man. Okay. Well, I mean, wasn't the move... Um, 2000. 2000. There you go. All right. Well, wasn't this the latest uh, Avengers movie, uh, Age of Ultron? Yes. It was a fantastic movie, according to some people. I liked it personally. But what isn't there a rumor going around okay. that apparently it was a failure of a movie, according to some of the higher-ups in one of the companies involved? Well, that yeah. Enough it, money? Failure, in, failure in terms of what? It didn't make as much money as the first Avengers movie. <laughs> right. Something like no, that. No, wait. Well, I know they're comparing because Jurassic World did insanely well. I think that's yes. why they're saying that. Well, and they're, and they're ridiculously competitive people. And you got to remember, this summer we had blockbuster after blockbuster, week after week, and it was, I, I it read was something this week that you know after you know the, you know because some movie season is basically over now, and people talk about a lot of movies, and no one's still talking about Avengers. They're talking about Jurassic World. They're talking about Mad Max, which was so fantastic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, Avengers is kind of, as well as it did, it kind of slipped onto the radar. So if you're talking about in those terms, yeah, you're right. Well, it's about to come out. Sometime in the next couple of weeks, it'll be out on DVD, and they've been uh, leaking things from the gag reel and other stuff online. So it's been interesting seeing some of those clips come out. Yeah, they'll make a couple more billion dollars. Us oh, yeah, more. they got two more Avengers movies coming, plus, of course, Captain America Civil War, which just looks incredible. I'm looking forward to that one, yeah. yeah. Well, bo- both of the ones next year are looking good as well. I mean, well, the, the Marvel is just... Civil, Civil War and what's the other Marvel one? Guardians of Infinity, or is that in 2017? No, that's 2017. It's not Doctor Strange, is it? Yeah. There's another Thor movie, but that might not be No, that's another year. year off. Okay. Okay, Doctor Strange is, an into- is November 2016. Captain oh. America Civil War, May 2016. Thor, Black Panther, yep, Captain Marvel. Oh, right. Well, oh, Captain Marvel is not until 2019, which is just yeah, that's that's a ways off. Oh, okay, this is just all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, I just finished. Oh, reading... Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that it? Yeah, Guardians Two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, I want to see that one too. I think that's 17. Yeah, that's 17. Ah. All we got next year is Captain America and Doctor Strange. Right. Is fine. I mean, they, they've been. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to both of those. Yeah, oh, they've yeah. been doing two movies a year. That's been their model. So that's. Yep. That works. And Batman v Superman in March. Uh, Yay, yeah. maybe. 
Oh, but and of course, but that's just regular Marvel. Then you have Fox coming out with Deadpool, X Men oh, yeah. Apocalypse, and yeah, Gambit. Deadpool. That, that's that's uh, what it was. Deadpool looks awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant about Gambit. Eh. Gambit's one of those who's better in small doses. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he's a lead. Well, he definitely was not good in the awful Wolverine prequel. This is true. I still refuse to see it. Yeah, you're better off that way. You have not missed much. And I like Wolverine, by the way. And but they I messed with Deadpool in that, too. But thankfully, they fixed it in the new movie. And what's funny is they even make fun of it in the new movie. <laughs> they make fun of Green Lantern, too. Which yeah, is I know. It's fantastic. Eh. Yeah. These guys are good. Okay, so yeah, 17, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, and Thor Ragnarok. 2018, Ooh, Avengers Infinity War Part 1, Black Part Panther, one. and Captain Marvel. Then 2019 is Infinity War Part 2 and Inhumans. Good on Marvel for actually trying to get Captain Marvel going, because I think DC's still dragging their feet on Wonder Woman. Yeah, I know, and I'm glad it's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. It's not the Captain Marvel, the the male Captain Marvel before that. Well, that's that's a DC character, though. Captain Marvel? Yeah, the, the, the original version of the male, Billy Batson, is a DC character. It's mm. extremely complicated. Okay. Well, I know. But there are rumors that there is going to be a movie of that with The Rock as that uh, Captain Marvel. No, he's in something else. I thought. Well, he's in a bunch of things. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> he's very charismatic. Yes, and we've been getting my oldest daughter into comic books, and we just finished Miss Marvel Volume One. You know, uh, so the first five issues of the new Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. And oh yeah, that's a it, good it is very, it is very good. Yeah, I, I never yeah. really got into comics when I was a kid, but this this story is excellent. You know, we're wanting to give her strong female role models to look up to. So we've how old done, is she? She's four. So we're okay, start, okay. So we're starting. There's a, the recent run on Wonder Woman from a couple. Of years, I mean, she's a few years young for that, but in a few years that would be a really good one to do because it was a great run. We're we're doing Wonder Woman as well. We're doing Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was the DC. After we saw Ant-Man, my wife was asking me to look into Wasp, but I couldn't find any. Hmm. But So then I got her, got Miss Marvel. There so, you go. And, She's uh, a better character than Wasp anyway. And then, of course, she still has milk as well because she really loves The Flash. And that's thanks to the TV show on the CW. There you go. I was wanting to see if you would introduce a DC one there. Yeah. I, I know I'm a DC guy, and I know they've been falling flat on their face lately, but I tried oh, it but for them. Arrow... And Flat the Flash on CW are excellent, excellent shows. I haven't seen Flash at Arrow. I like. Um, I need to get the Flash. I, I, I saw that they did Gorilla Grodd. Like they, they they had the cojones to do Gorilla Grodd is amazing. It's a completely different tone than Arrow. Arrow yeah. is so serious, and Flash is much more fun. Well, but that's it, how it should be. Yeah, and then of Flash course, should be fun. This year we have uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow. They bring back characters from The Flash, characters from Arrow. DC's trying on television now. Trying. Yeah, Marvel, they've got Agent Carter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on regular TV. And then, have you? did you guys watch Daredevil on Netflix? No. I'm most of the way through it. It's really amazing. Yeah, it is fantastic. And they just wrapped on filming of A.K.A. Jessica Jones. They'll also be doing, I believe, Luke Cage and yeah. Punisher, which will spin off from Daredevil. Right. And then the key thing is they're doing all these series, and then they're all going to bring all of them together for a Defenders miniseries yeah. with all of the characters together. So That'll be fun. Yeah. Marvel knows what they're doing. Yes. DC, not so much. Well, 
the main thing is this is all part of story development and story management. See, I brought it back. <laughs> Marvel does it well. DC yeah. does not, right? I mean, when we you do this. You go back to Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. in 2003? Eight. Eight? Eight. Eight. Okay. That's the same year that uh, Dark Knight came out. Oh, right. That was a pretty seminal year for comic movie storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think Iron Man has had the longevity of introducing this new style. This is going to be fun, but Dark Knight, Dark Knight sort of did something people didn't quite expect right. at the time. And DC is still in that mode. I think they've taken the wrong lesson from the yes. way they told that story. Was hey, people like this dark and gritty thing. No, no. this dark and gritty thing works in certain circumstances. You can't apply it universe. You have to apply it to the story you want to tell. It works for Batman. It does not work for Superman. Right. And by the way, Batman doesn't need to be that way. He can work that way very well, but he, yeah. he can also be the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon series, if you ever saw. Oh, yeah. Or, Embraces the campiness and fun. Or Adam and West. Great. I mean, come on. Yes, he precisely. survived Adam West. <laughs> Did you ever watch I mean, yeah. the Music Meister episode? Yes. That's a very good one, yeah. Yeah. I know most people, that's their favorite. It's, I like it, but... Uh... See, for me, my, my favorite Batman will always be, though, Batman the Animated Series. Right. No, no, I'm the same way. When I read the comics, I still hear most of the... Those are the voices I hear for the most part. Oh, yeah. Especially Hamill and Connolly. Yes. Well, what's nice is they brought them back to be the voices of the characters in uh, Arkham Asylum. The, yeah, all the, Ar- the Arkham series, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's benefited from that. Yes. I remember sitting in Iron Man, and we stayed to the end of the credits. I don't know why. Nobody had told me to stay. I think, actually, we, my friends and I were walking out of the theater, and we stopped. And there was this guy sitting in the front row going, What? 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 Nick Fury? That's a tri- uh, that the was... ending was a terrific example of the gardener, because that was, say Iron Man had bottomed out, that right. it didn't do very well. That scene would have come to nothing. They planted that thinking, this could be something great. Yes. Green Lantern did a similar thing in the credit scene where they introduced uh, Sinestro with the Sinestro core ring. Yep. Right. And that obviously gave nothing because it didn't do very well. They're trying to reboot that entire thing. Yes. That's the Gardner work of saying, we're going to try to make this work. We hope it works. It did, ultimately. But at the time, the ambition that Marvel had, you told me five, ten years ago that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be as big as it is, as successful as it is, I would have said, you're insane. But they, they took that chance, they planted that seed, and it worked. Well, considering, like, they, I remember reading the articles about it when they were making Iron Man, and they say, well, Marvel's going to try to make this on their own. Let's try not to laugh too hard when it fails miserably. And, and by the way, Iron Man was a tertiary hero even in the Marvel canon. Yeah. No one cared in the mainstream. Well, it's because they didn't own the rights to any of their best, their top. That's right. So they, they may do with what they had, and they did. They made some perfect casting choices, and it worked. It worked it, very people well. People really took to that style of storytelling in a way that I wouldn't have predicted was possible. And I, I consider myself a guy who likes comics and knows comics pretty well. I know. I have to admit, when I heard that Chris Pratt for Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, what? That guy? No. And that's with not really knowing Guardians of the Galaxy. It just didn't sound right. Yeah, and then he lost a bunch of weight and became a hero. Well, well, He's that charismatic. And Chris Evans, when they announced him for Captain America, I was like, no, he was horrible as Johnny Storm. But that's just because the Fantastic Four movies are all horrible. Yeah, I've never done a Fantastic Four. But they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how they, it, they've they slowly removed references to a Fantastic Four 2 from the Fox whips. The, the movie did poorly enough that they're no longer talking sequel. They'll just redo it in 10 or 15 years when they everyone... It's got to be less than that. It's got to be like five to seven. Otherwise, they lose the rights. 
That's uh, right. That's the, that's the only reason that last one happened, and the only reason they continued with Spider Man as well. Yep. yep, that's the only. Yeah, there was. They wanted to make a fourth Spider Man movie with Raimi and McGuire, and both of them said no because three was so bad, and so they remade the whole thing, and they would have lost the rights. They should just yeah, and, 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 lose the rights. Yeah. And, and they realized that the rebooted series didn't do so well, so they're trying again. And now, finally, Spider Man's going to join up with the MCU. I'm, that's the most reason I'm excited for Civil War. And finally, you get Spider Man the Marvel movie. Absolutely. Now you just need Wolverine and you can kick out some of the others that are just sort of dead weight. I, I like Hawkeye. <laughs> oh, did I just uh, uh, say that Hawkeye was dead weight? Yeah, I didn't imply that. No, 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 you didn't. No, this episode is going to do so well in terms of the numbers of views, but our comments are going to weigh us down. We're going to get so much horrible commenting because of all of our conversations about Marvel and DC. No, 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 the internet loves comics. Let's go with it. Well, no, but the thing is, I welcome the comments, so that's fine. By the way, if you would like to leave us a comment or contact us, you can tweet us at Publish Podcast or find us Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast. And of course, this podcast is available from Podomatic, but also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Plus, you can check us out on our home on the web, media.as21.com. Sorry, I just had to. I thought it was a natural place for the plug. It absolutely works. Okay. We need to get back on track anyway. All right, yes. Yeah. So back <laughs> to story management. So, Paul, did you have any other questions for Ian, or is there anything? I thought I had some questions, but after the first two and our engaging conversation thereafter, I think we kind of did pretty well there. So, Ian, have you read War and Peace? I tried. <laughs> no, I, I got to give that one another shot at some point. It just, you know, I'm in grad school right now, so during my downtime, I try to read stuff that I really want to read, and I avoid stuff that I feel is more of an obligation ward piece is one of those. <laughs> Here, I'll give you a book I just finished for story management-wise that was really interesting, and Neil Patrick Harris's autobiography is a choose-your-own-autobiography, where he actually structured out his life story, but then he added in choice. Do you go on Elton John's yacht, or do you do this instead? And then this instead, of course, leads to your sudden and imminent death. <laughs> Wait, this is the Choose Your Own Adventure? Yes. He did his autobiography in the style of a Choose Your Own Adventure. In print and audio. It's easier oh. to do in print because you could actually flip to the proper page. Yeah, that's audio. what I was thinking of. Yeah, audio, okay. you could try to skip ahead to the chapters, but it's more fun just to listen straight through. Questions about Keith and Paul. What do you think of Choose Your Own Adventure as a story structure? Well, I was a big fan of the Goosebumps series when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. and as, all, those, as were we all. Yes. Yeah, and those choose-your-own-adventure things terrified me, so I love them. I think it's absolutely brilliant, and I think we need more of them, especially for adults. Cause Joseph Gordon-Levitt is apparently trying to do that in movie four. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. But he wants I, to do it in, and I don't know if this is off topic, because it's talking about the medium you're choosing. He wants to do it in a movie, like in a theater, where I feel like that should be on the internet. Yeah. Like, there should just be a series of videos. Maybe you pay five bucks to go on this adventure, and you choose, okay, this video ends here. I want to go to this video, so you choose the next video. Like, each of, like, five minutes long. And I want... I mean, that seems to me to be the way to go if you want to film that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Because, yeah, if you're trying to do it in a the theater, that's too many people, and... Right. Well, everyone just gets a vote, and the majority vote wins. No, what you would to do it right, you'd probably need three theaters all doing it, starting at the same time, and you just switch, pause, and switch. I, yeah. I think that's what he wanted to do, but I don't know how you feasibly do that. Yeah, and that seems like a nightmare when you have the internet, which allows individual users to choose the story they want. 
Yeah, they'll probably just go with the internet. Cheaper that yeah. way. Well, it's cheaper, and you can actually make the choices actually work for the individual viewer. Yep. It's like, it was a few drama episodes. They had the choose your own adventure. Do you want to see Calculon run to this fiery explosion, or do you want to see him finish his taxes? And apparently, it just defaulted to finishing his taxes. <laughs> I remember that episode, I think. My favorite thing I've ever seen in actual film or television that sort of is a form of the choose-your-own-adventure was the Community Remedial Chaos Theory episode, where it's the Jeff throws the dice to decide who gets the pizza, and all seven people, and you see what happens, and the die goes to each person, and the different realities it creates. Hmm. I like it. Okay. Well, let me see. We're at a good amount of time here, and yeah, we've done we've done pretty well with this one. So, Ian, what are you working on aside from grad school? I know that you're always trying to do some writing, right? Yeah, I try to do. Um, I've been neglectful of my blog, the Half Drunk Scribe, lately. I've had a thought in my head for a few years. Recently, recurring, I got to get back to it because a week or two weeks ago was the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Right. And there were a lot of think pieces on the internet. Some of them were good, mm-hmm. but I had an idea for a story that takes place in that kind of universe where you have a city that gets obliterated by some sort of natural disaster and gets cut off from most of the rest of the country and what happens to the people who live there, what happens to that city. Just, so that's the story that's trying to work out for a few years. you don't get too close to the Batman series where that happened to Gotham. No, no Man's Land, which no. is, yeah, reading that is kind of what got me thinking. That was an earthquake, though. That's technically different. Okay. So, you know, it's something I'm sort of playing with, and, you know, the anniversary just passed, so I started thinking about more, like, eh, I should get back to that at some point. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, my, most of my stuff can still be found on halfdrunkinscribe.blogspot.com. Right. I'm very proud of most of that writing. All right, since it is the September 2015 edition of the podcast, I want to let you know that we had, at the end of last month, we closed the submission period for the AS21 Annual Literary Magazine. And we got some wonderful submissions. Once again, we got some great submissions local to us here in the greater D.C. area, but also stuff from around the world. We got a poet from Greece, a poet from Switzerland, a couple writers from the U.K., so both local and international. So this September 7th, the day this episode comes out, which is Labor Day, the literary magazine, AS20 Annual, will be coming out October 1st, available in print for $12, an electronic e-journal download for $6. We're having a release party the night of October 1st at One More Page Books in Arlington, Virginia. It's in Arlington, but it's on the edge of the city of Falls Church, so close that it's the metro station you go to to get there is East Falls Church Metro. We'll be there the night of October 1st at 7 p.m. There will be live readings from the annual. We'll be thanking those people that supported our Kickstarter campaign to help make the annual reality. And we will be live streaming the whole thing on Periscope. Just check us out on Periscope at AS21. Then that video will then be posted to the AS21 YouTube channel the following day. Then that Saturday... That whole week is the Fall for the Book Festival in Fairfax County, Arlington, Falls Church area. That Saturday, AS21 will be spending at the campus of George Mason University, where we will be exhibiting for the day. And hopefully several of our authors will be coming out to meet the readers firsthand and, you know, pimp their books as they will. And now that's just the beginning of October, and I'll talk more about October uh, when we come to the October edition next month, uh, which will be Chapter 7. We're doing the guest thing every other month, so the next guest will be up in November. And so we don't... next month is just you and me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, unfortunately, oh. it's just me and Paul. All right, we will be discussing timeline. He doesn't like Paul. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get replaced. No! Well, finish the book. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm horrible. 
All right, yeah, Chapter 7, which will come out on October 7th, we'll be discussing Timeline. Woo-hoo. So, Paul, prepare your notes to discuss the timeline of your story. And... It takes place over millennia. Yes. From the start of time to the end of time. <laughs> that, that's a pretty weighty story. Yeah. Well, epic fantasies. We are horrible, horrible people when it comes to those things. Okay, so <laughs> thank you, Ian, for joining us. This has been a great discussion, and I hope that our listeners got a lot out of it. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hope, to have, hope to be back. I didn't interrupt things too badly here. No, uh, you um, were fine. Thank you. I thought I would be. <laughs> now remember, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Publish Podcast, Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast, and Media.AS21.com. And of course, hosted on Podomatic and available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So subscribe, leave comments, send us a message, like us, follow us. Tweet us, share us, any manner of good-natured things, feel free to do to us. Woo! Do it or we'll come after you. Oh, that that's Ian speaking. He is not a regular contributor to this podcast and therefore does not Do it or I'll come podcast. after you. Okay, maybe. Now look out. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> so for the Publish Me podcast, I am Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing. And I am Paul Russell author of The Will of the Magi. As always, everyone, where there are ideas and thoughts, there are stories. Thank you again so much. We'll see you next month. Cheers. Copyright 2015, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?